Episode 23, Phil America Reprised. My name is Michael Delgado and I'm your host. Normally, I come to you each week from the fabulous library bar in the spectacular Mayfair Hotel in downtown L.A. But this week, well, as you may know, I've taken a liking to one of the Sternwood sisters, and let's just say I'm on special assignment. My assistant Marlo, you know, the shop dog, the Instagram influencer. She's got more likes than a Betty Grable poster in a G.I.'s bunk. Well, she's pretty handy with the garage band thingy, putting her paws to the knobs and buttons. And she's compressed a chat from earlier this year with one Phil America. Phil is an amazing social practice artist with a recent project completed for Pride Week here in LA, also in Sacramento and New York. You can hear my entire interview with Phil in episode 13. But I'd be interested to hear from you in the comments section after this podcast as to whether you like this more edited version or prefer the longer form of the other episodes. I'll be back next week to present a very lively interview with The Dark Bob, one of LA's most renowned performance artists. That is, unless Vivian Sternwood has anything to say about it. In the meantime, thanks for listening. I'm really excited to talk about artist-activist Phil America. Phil and a handful of really interesting artists here in L.A. are making art as a social practice. Now, these artists treat the fabric of a community as a canvas, if you will. So by combining performance and human interaction and social discourse, their work focuses on engagement and tries to spark a change. They work in and out of the white cubes of galleries and museums where social interaction is not only part of the works organization, but it's an aesthetic unto itself. Let me give you an example. Phil recently embedded himself in a group of asylum seekers along the San Diego-Tijuana border. So he makes friends, then he trades new clothes for their worn clothes and uses those fabrics to make American flags. Then, at a crazy risk, he goes and installs them on the actual border wall in the no-man's land of the American side. Now, this creates a very unconventional quote-unquote gallery. But the documentation of the migrant stories and the press he received for the installation gave voice to the voiceless. In kind of the same way, he created a pop-up gallery at the Bonito Swap Meet in L.A.'s MacArthur Park neighborhood. Now, that swap meet is notorious as a fence for stolen merchandise, and Phil thought it would be a perfect place to showcase the work of both established artists who've had a run-in with the law, along with art made by convicts. So acting with an almost journalistic impulse, Phil looks at art as a language with which to start a conversation for social change. But I'll let him explain. To put it like very simply and to create like a through line between everything I do is that it all really starts with a question, whether that's a question for me or a question for the public at large or both or to a philosophy of something. Um, so for example, the swap meet gallery, I, I thought it was really interesting that something like this exists and it exists outside the, the way that the city functions and it exists outside bureaucracy. And, um, and then also just like, why, why is it so um, specific to only this specific neighborhood and why would this not exist in West Hollywood, for example? Um, and then just kind of approaching it in that, that way and then looking at 
how this functions in its own like autonomous way. And so I started going to these swap meets in this area in Westlake and started to, started to make friends with people who were there and who were living there and who were working out of there and uh, ultimately decided to create something within that space that what, cr what I wanted to create was again a gallery and I use that like in quotes just like the gallery on the border wall um, and basically to like create and bring art to a space like this but then also taking into account what the space is in and of itself is like this is a swap meet this isn't a fine art gallery or yeah so for this I wanted it to exist outside of of the art world like and again there's embedded into everything I do there's of course like art references there's obviously historical precedent you can point to within the arts um, all of that comes into play but then like with this specifically the idea was to have the gallery be the artwork as well as have artwork right. in the gallery and so all of the work in the gallery was direct relate, directly related to prison and the prison industrial complex so there was two parts to that one a show um, of all works who were by artists who had been in trouble with the law before. Um, so we had everybody from Shepard Ferry and Chaz Barranquez to Utah Ether to like a whole bunch of other artists like who are working within the fine art sphere but who are also have also like had a running with the lawless to put it quite mm -hmm. simply some some harder sentences than others. Then I coupled that with a bunch of art that was smuggled out of the California prison system. So it was all works by, I mean, for lack of a better description, outsider artists who are not even necessarily considering themselves artists, but are essentially creating craft. Um, for a simple example, a picture frame or a wallet or something functional or non-functional that is made out of cigarette cartons that then, right. then like macrame into like an actual artwork. So I partnered with them, paid all of them, and then paid off people to have things smuggled out, and then created the show with that coupled with the artists who are already working within the, right. the art world. The dynamic of placing art in unexpected places for consumption by those outside the art community is important to Phil. But he knows that the art community will in fact also see these efforts as fine art itself. Less concerned with making art for the fine art world and trying to make art for that community because that community huh. is very often left out of that conversation and people always talk about how you know you have a public museum and it's supposed to be for the public but like there's the public for them is like rich wealthy white people so those people were already all familiar with that iconography and that imagery of like so you had people from the art world coming to this community and seeing that work and then also seeing this kind of outsider art. And then all while at the same time, like integrating these people and building a bridge within that community. You might say Phil wants to rub the nose of high art into the face of the lowbrow just to see what happens. But he clearly sides with the underdog. So again, like I don't, I certainly don't think I have the answers. It starts with a question for me. And maybe my only question there is like, how do we, you know, why aren't these people considered artists? Like they're, they are dedicating their life to creating art and they spend more time on this work than many other artists do. And so trying to put those people on the same level and like create that mm -hmm. conversation is super interesting to me. Phil is used to the machinations of the fine art world, but working in the gaps between governments and cultural institutions around the world has required him to work with both bureaucracies and NGOs. He's collaborated with numerous organizations such as the United Nations, the U.S. Department of Labor, UNESCAP, International Organization for Migration, the Australian government, and the U.S. Embassy in Seoul, among others. Accordingly, Phil considers himself more activist than artist. 
for me, what's important is always trying to uh, investigate things that I actually really care about. Because I, I didn't study art. I don't necessarily think that I'm an artist that fits into the sphere of like what art is at this moment. And so that's okay with me. I'm okay with being something else. It's just happens to fuel my life and fund my life and create a way that I can interact and engage and speak to a, a right. much larger audience than if I just spoke in the languages that I speak. So it's right. like if I can speak in a language that reaches everybody, that's what I'm going to do. Upcoming for Phil and his collaborators is a project called Colors of Progress. It's inspired by the many sacrifices and accomplishments made by LGBTQ people since the Stonewall riots 50 years ago. And the project aims to highlight voices that deserve increased visibility. Phil is going to use flags as a canvas and a color palette that emphasizes a more meaningful inclusion of marginalized groups. You're probably noting a recurring theme here. Phil is obsessed with flags. But in this project, he aims to create a visual oral history that will be featured at Pride celebrations around the country. The flags will carry historical quotes that Phil personally researched at USC's One Archive, as well as more recent thoughts from folks in the contemporary community. Right now I'm working with Trey Borden again on a new project where we are working with LA Pride and we're using flags and we are essentially taking the new like more progressive colors that aren't the traditional rainbow flag. We're inspired by this Daniel Quasar flag that has the trans colors, has the black, has the brown and so like investigating that and like looking at what each of those colors could symbolize in communities that have been ignored within the LGBTQ community and giving voice to them both from the past all the way up until now. So like the other day I was telling you I'm going to USC, I'm going to um, the One Archives to look back at um, pulling quotes from there. Um, then also contemporary people who, you know, whether they're part, whether they're quite literally gay or lesbian or trans, or whether they've been an ally like a Gavin Newsom, um, who's done so much for the community to uh, pull quotes from them and also like contemporary people who are actors or musicians and then painting all of those quotes on the flags and those are going to be strung over the where the parade goes uh, in West Hollywood for the Pride Festival and then we also plan on and are trying to do it in a number of other cities hopefully uh, culminating in New York for World Pride. Phil is a young man, but he's lived and worked throughout the U.S. and abroad, creating provocative projects that build bridges between the privileged and the forgotten. I'd highly recommend checking out his performance piece in the slums of Bangkok, for example. You can learn more at philamerica.com, and you can hear the entire interview with Phil on episode 13 of this podcast. You've been listening to A.G. Geiger Presents Tales from the L.A. Art Underworld. A.G. Geiger Presents is produced by me, Michael Delgado, in conjunction with the Mayfair Hotel, music and artist management company, Regime 72, and of course, A.G. Geiger Fine Art Books. Tune in next week when I talk to L.A. performance artist The Dark Bob. Thanks for listening.